Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show with your host, Autumn Miles. Autumn is an author, speaker, wife, and mother. She's the founder and CEO of The Blush Network and the author of Appointed. Autumn's vision is to engage our culture with the bold truth of God coupled with raw faith. Now here's your host, Autumn Miles. Hey, 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 Autumn with the Autumn Miles Show. Um, Love you guys so much. We have an awesome show for you guys today. I think it's going to be very encouraging for you and maybe uh, clarify some stuff that's been happening in the church world uh, just as of late, recently. My guest, I'll introduce her in just a minute. I think we're going to have a really good conversation. want to remind you, I've got a book coming out. I am Rahab. You can, it's going to be out August 21st, but it is pre-order right now. I'm obsessed with Rahab, really found myself in her own story And um, I would love for you guys to go ahead and pre-order that book. You know, why not? Why not pre-order it? That would be amazing for me and for my team. But the truths in Rahab's story have changed my life. And really getting to inductively study that that part of Scripture uh, has been just transforming to my mind, to my outlook on things and really is why I'm sitting here today. So I love you guys so much. Would love for you guys to go ahead and pre-order. I want to go ahead and get to my guest. Her name is Karen Pryor. Now, she does so many different things. Her bio, y'all, is like super intimidating, okay? She's changing the world through many different areas. Right now, she is a professor of English at Liberty University. She's won all sorts of teaching awards. She is frequently writes on literature, culture, ethics, all sorts of things. Her writings have appeared in Christianity Today, The Atlantic, Washington Post, First Things, Fox, Thinks Christian, The Gospel Coalition, and the list goes on and on and on. She has a book coming out as well. It's called On Reading Well, and her book comes out September of 2018. You can also pre-order her book, and you're probably going to want to um, uh, when we're done with our conversation. But uh, I want to go ahead and welcome her to the show. Welcome, Karen, to the show. How are you? Hello, Autumn. I'm doing considerably well, miraculously (laughs) well, so I'm so glad to be on the show with you. You have so much going on, and I I really, uh, we were just talking before the show to all my listeners out there. I I found uh, Karen on Twitter, and just, I think I I, I found you because someone shared something that you had tweeted out, and it was in my feed, and I went to your profile, you know, and totally stalked you. You know how it goes. And I was just, I started reading all of these tweets from you and was just very encouraged. I felt like, man, this woman gets it. Uh, she she gets it. She's right on target with my heart um, about several things that were happening in the in, in this period of time, about a month ago, maybe two months ago, whatever it was. Um, but then I saw an article on that that ran on Christianity Today about you getting hit by a bus, and I would love to hear your. I read the article, of course, multiple times, but what? happened. <laughs> Not many people get hit by a bus. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I've, I've learned that a lot of people do get hit by buses, especially in Nashville, where I was hit, but a lot of, you know, usually they don't survive. Really? So that's why I said, yeah, yeah, apparently, <laughs> especially in Nashville, it's a big problem. Um, and uh, now that I'm more aware of it, I'm learning more about these things. But I guess, the you know, the unusual thing was to survive. But yes, I was in Nashville for a conference and headed to a meeting, walking downtown, and I did not see the bus until it hit me. 
Um, and I ended up spending eight days at Vanderbilt Hospital. Um, this was uh, just about two months ago, and I'm home now uh, recovering, recovering well, expected to make a full recovery. It was um, a miracle that I, I, you know, I had several fractures, head injury, uh, collapsed mm-hmm. lungs, all these things, but um, I expect to be able to walk again in about a month and to be running again, one of my great loves, in a few months. So I'm just thankful to the Lord for watching over me. Oh, my goodness. You love to run. That's amazing. <laughs> That's a miracle in and of <laughs> itself. Not a lot of people love to run. Um, so, you're, so you're walking, you're going to a meeting, and you, you get hit by this bus, which, which is horrific. But then this piece comes out in Christianity Today, and you talk about sin is, getting, is like getting hit by a bus. Can you tell us a little bit of, just mm-hmm. about that piece and for those of that may, that may not have seen that article? Yeah, well, I'll tell you about the piece, and then I think that'll be a good bridge into one of the, the main things we want to talk about today yeah. because it's really connected, like why I was in Nashville, why I was distracted at that moment, and why I was thinking so much about sin. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, well, according to the police report, basically it they're saying the accident was my fault, that I stepped into the crosswalk in front of the bus. The bus had the right of way. Um, and so, you know, having such a terrible thing happen to you and then also to everyone around you because it affects all of your loved ones and you see all these teams of medical professionals working on you, helping you, and, like, it just changes your corner of the universe unalterably. Um, and everyone has to make sacrifices and, and do things for you. And I just, it just occurred to me, like, and that's a heavy kind of weight to bear to think, oh my goodness, if I could just take back that, you know, a few seconds of my life and not, and do it over again, and this wouldn't have happened, which of course we can't do. Um, All of those consequences that arose from a split second decision that affected me so dramatically and everyone around me, I just thought, well, you know, sin is like that too. Sin, even if we don't see those effects yeah. as, at all or as dramatically, it, uh, you know, a decision that we make in a few minutes, we have no idea what the ripple effects of that will be on everyone around us. I mean, that's sort of a spiritual, supernatural realm that we don't always see, but the effects really are just the same. When we do something foolish or thoughtlessly, um, it has ripple effects yeah. that go on for eternity. And so it just made me think, you know, this, this, this mistake I made by stepping in front of a bus, um, just made me think how much worse is sin. Mm. You know, one of the things, as I was reading this article, um, you know, it's, it's very widely known, especially in Dallas, uh, what happened in the Southern Baptist convention and, um, just the different things, um, that have been all strode across the news for the last couple of months. Um, and, and my story is du- sort of directly but indirectly affected to that. You know, I'm one of those women who um, went to her church and said, listen, I, I'm being abused by my husband. And um, the church leadership, of course, it had nothing to do with, with the, you know, what's happened in the last couple of, of months. This was 17 years ago. Um, but, but I went forward and said, listen, I'm being abused in my church um, to the leaders. And uh, they told me to submit <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, that there must have been something wrong with me because he seemed fine and mm-hmm. basically told me uh, to rescind my divorce because I filed for divorce. 
uh, for 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 my safety's sake, and um, and go back to him and make it right. So uh, when I saw the headlines, um, you know, all the all the stuff that had happened in the Southern Baptist Convention and and, um, it really struck such a strong chord in me because I've been fighting this for for years. I've been trying to say, listen, this this issue on abuse um, must be confronted in not just the Southern Baptist Convention, in all churches everywhere, we must learn how to approach this subject. We must train ourselves on what do you do when a, when a victim comes forward. And I partnered with Lifeway in, in 2017 and did a study about domestic violence in the church. So um, I know this whole Me Too, Church Too movement that, is, that has come forth, the silence is not spiritual, all of that has really rung very close to my heart because I was one of those people. <laughs> but but for the grace of God, I sit here today um, talking to you, and it truly is a product of his unmatched grace and truth. Um, but but you're also very passionate about this subject. And and I know reading the article and just the different things that we've learned about you, you were you were you had been doing a bunch of interviews about this. Can you share a little bit of your heart about the Church 2 movement and just how you've been involved in your perspective? Sure. Um, you know, I, I, I have been Southern Baptist for about 20 years. Um, before moving to the South, I was just Baptist, Baptist. <laughs> um, so most of my life I've, I've been Baptist. I love the Baptist Church, and now I'm, um, you know, I love the Southern Baptist Convention and want to serve it and love it and help it be better. Um, you know, and I, I'm very blessed that I have never been um, sexually abused. I haven't been in an abusive relationship. But I feel like that also gives me an emotional kind of power and strength where I can speak to these issues for those who have. Because if someone has experienced that, you know, some do speak out as you do, and I'm thankful for that. But there are so many women who just, you know, it, it's just hard to speak out when it's affected you so closely. And so I really, you know, all I knew about, you know, about um, Paige Patterson, uh, who was someone, he was the subject of these headlines about things that he had said in the past about um, women in his church who'd been abused and other um, statements about women. Um, I knew that he was uh, the father of the conservative resurgence, and that really was when I entered into the Southern Baptist Convention, so I was thankful for that. But when these things that he had said some of them years ago, some of them not so long ago, were unearthed, and people began talking about it, I just felt an obligation to speak up. I don't have a personal interest or, you know, or connection to these kinds of stories. I'm just a Southern Baptist looking at it and saying, this is wrong. We mm-hmm. cannot treat women this way, and we cannot tr- especially treat abused women this way. And um, so I was one of the original uh, signatories on a petition that was circulated to the Board of Trustees of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, where Patterson was serving, for that board to hold him accountable. And it was actually the morning that they made their announcement to have him retire um, that I was up late doing interviews about the impending decision, up early doing interviews once we knew what the decision was, and it was that that was very much on my mind when I got hit by the bus. And a friend of mine that was in town for the same conference that I didn't attend but was there for, uh, of course, they were all devastated. I was in the hospital with all these broken, fractured bones. And she said, 
it was just so powerful. She said that that being hit by the bus like that, you know, it was kind of a, a symbol or an emblem for the broken bodies of women in the church that the church had been failing to care and nurture for. And, you know, not to make it too spiritual or weird or anything, but, um, you know, in the Old Testament, the prophets would often just bear in their bodies or act out dramatically the effects and, and consequences of the sin of Israel. And that was something that was that was powerful to think about, yes. that here at this day that Patterson was being dealt with. He actually ended up being promoted with that first decision. And there I was lying in the hospital with my body broken and battered, um, kind of a symbol of what the church has been doing to women for far too long. It it was so powerful. That piece in Christianity Today, which I I encourage everyone to go read if you haven't already, um, was very profound. And I read it weeping. <laughs> because I thought, you know, you know, you, you, which I didn't know that you didn't come from a, a history of abuse, but for you to really liken that accident to what was actually happening was very vivid because broken is how you feel as a victim. Completely broken is how you feel. Um, and then you go for help. And, you know, you were able to go to to the, the hospital and people cared for you, just like you just you said mm-hmm. not too long ago. But I sort of went to my spiritual hospital broken and was rejected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, um, you right. know, that was such a beautiful visual. I, I'm I'm actually horrified that you got hit by a bus. But it but it made so much sense. And I really believe that's why I was like, we've got to get the we've got to get her on the show. Mm-hmm. Because it was it was a vivid picture of truth, and um, it ministered to me when I when I read that um, article just about you know just likening that to sin and how a little bit of sin when we let a little bit of sin in you know it it affects the whole body. We make one mistake, it it affects the whole body, and we've definitely seen that um, that happen. I want and the church the church needs to be the hospital to repair. The broken who come to us. That's exactly what it is. And I feel like I understand that now more because of what I went through. It's interesting, too, the, the, um, the healing process, too. I was thinking about this this morning as I knew you were coming on the show today. Just the healing process that, that your body has had to undertake. I mean, it's, it's been a process. It wasn't like you went to the hospital and then they released you the next day and they were like, congratulations, go live your life normally. You had to, you've had to be, I'm sure, take medication and, and stuff like that. And the, the, the healing process is longer than we'd want. And I also thought that that was interesting for victims like myself, who I think sometimes that's how we're treated. Um, you know, go to the church. Okay. You know, just pray. And okay, we'll see you next Sunday. <laughs> it's like, yeah, my whole body is be, broken. Be, be here. better now. <laughs> yeah, be better. God bless. You know, my whole body is broken. Um, you know, so anyway, I was I was totally uh, just captured by the story. So, how should church leaders respond to this? In your opinion, as you've been advocating for this. How should they respond? What would you suggest as we have lots of Christian leaders that listen to the show? What would be your advice um, on how to respond to these women or men that come forward? 
Well, I would say I would say first, first of all, the first thing we have to do is to get it to try not to be responding all the time and to be proactive. Um, the biggest thing that I'm facing really even with myself, because as I said, I, I have not experienced these things, is every every year, every month, every day, my eyes become more open to how rampant mm-hmm. these problems are that I have, you know, I admit a few years ago I was pretty blind to it. Um, and the church needs to, first of all, acknowledge, stop denying that abuse, uh, you know, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and sexual assault are rampant already in our culture and in the church, and pornography is certainly not helping. That's, you know, pornography is sort of the gateway to this kind of objectifying and abusing of women. It is objectifying and abusing women in itself, and it's leading to more. So churches need to be aware and not be surprised when they see it and not be in denial. That's the first thing, I think, is, yeah. and, and then to be proactive, to be, you know, understanding that, that there are probably women in the congregation who aren't saying anything, who aren't coming forward. And then, you know, I'm not an expert in how to deal with abuse, but there are many experts out there. And so to be humble enough mm-hmm. to go to the experts, to go through the training, to not just assume that you know what to do when it happens or you'll figure it out when it happens. This is a crisis in our culture and in our churches, and we have to prepare for it in the same way that churches are preparing, you know, for, for acts of terrorism and violence. Most churches are putting all kinds of, you know, things into, into play, which is we have to do. Well, we have to prepare and train for these kinds of situations as well. We have to turn to those who know more than we do and learn from them. Yeah. One of the things I say all the time, I actually, for those church leaders that are listening, you can go to my website and there is 10 steps to prepare your church for domestic violence right there, located right by the LifeWay study that we put out in 2017. It's the resources are there. A lot of times churches that approach me, I'll say, listen, this takes 20 minutes in a staff meeting. This is not 17 years of whatever. This is 20 minutes in a staff meeting. Listen, this is how we are going to operate if someone comes forward in a domestic violent relationship or sexual violence or whatever it is. This is easy. The situation isn't easy, but we can prepare ourselves for it. I love what you said uh, just now. Be humble enough to admit that you might not be an expert. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so important, I think, that we understand that, you know, if you're you're called to ministry, you're, you might not be an ex, you might, but you might not be an expert in domestic violence. Outsource that issue to someone who is to support uh, the body um, as you're leading it. Uh, can you speak into that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. I mean, I just, you know, I'll try not to get on my soapbox. I love soapboxes. Okay. (laughs) I mean, we live in a culture. I mean, there's actually a a book sitting on my desk right now that I've just begun to read called The Death of Expertise, where we know, you know, the church often accuses the world of, of being relativistic and not believing in truth and so forth. Well, we do it ourselves, too, when we fail to acknowledge that there are there is truth in every area, and they're including how to deal with situations. And if we, you know, we are contributing to the idea of the death of expertise when we refuse to turn to those experts and get mm. help from those who know more than we do. Mm. So we need to trust um, research, trust authorities, trust experience, 
uh, by experts and and turn to that, especially when it comes to, um, you know, of course the Bible addresses all areas of life, but one of those, you know, many of those areas are require other people who know more than we do. And, and it's, a, it's a case of humility yeah. and also implicitly an understanding that there is truth out there um, and we need to seek it, not just assume that we already know it. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. So I, I also feel like this whole scenario of um, uh, Paige Patterson and the Southern Baptist Convention has also done some good. And I um, I have been encouraged because I feel like I've worked for this, worked with this issue for so many years now. Um, do you see, do you see, and just in your sphere of influence, minds changing, people's minds sort of, their the scales dropping from their eyes, are you seeing that? I absolutely do see it, and I am also encouraged, and I love what you, how you just put it. I do see the scales dropping from people's eyes, and even, you know, even more important, I've used this analogy before, I think there are many people who may have been seeing that something was wrong, mm. but when people around them are not saying anything, like, you know, when you're in a, in a room and someone tells an inappropriate joke and there's a moment of silence and you don't know which way the room is going to turn, are people going to laugh or are they going to say something? Mm. All it takes is like one person to do one or the other and everybody else follows. Yeah. Well, this is a similar, I think people were maybe pastors and leaders, you know, in the ranks, um, saw some things that were wrong, but when their leaders are not speaking up or mm-hmm. they're just allowing it to continue, then they just remain quiet. But now I think, you know, the dam has broken, yeah. and I think more scales are falling off, more eyes. Um, we saw some important resolutions passed at the annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention affirming women and denouncing abuse. Yeah. We've elected a new president who is sensitive to these issues. And women, I know women, I, I, we are working on some things even in the background um, just to to let this small opportunity grow and blossom into what something I hope that will improve um, the church culture for generations to come. Yeah, I I, I I have never been filled with more hope. I think it, it took sort of um, the church, the big C church, getting hit by a bus, very literally, mm-hmm. with sin. Um, but I have I have wept more in joy over the last few months because I feel like God, you you've seen you. It's, it's I, I see the evidence. I see the evidence of your heart um, being played out. So I want to say just a giant thank you um, for me, from my team to you for for taking this on and championing this cause and and really speaking out about this. It's. It just means the world to us uh, that you, I feel like you're in it with us, you know, <laughs> you're in it with us. Oh, well, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to be an advocate and use the platform that God has given me and the voice he's given me to um, help make this terrible injustice right. I love it. I want you to talk just for a minute about your new book, because uh, for all my listeners out there, she is releasing an incredible book on, called On Reading Well. In September, you can pre-order. I would love to hear your heart behind this book. I know literature is a passion of yours, <laughs> and I would yeah. love for you to put it in in your own words for us. Sure, and it, it probably seems not connected at all. I know, but we're going to connect it. We're going to connect it. We absolutely are. You know, I am an English professor, um, and I, you know, so I love words. I love language. I love literature. Um, and this book is about literature, but it, it um, examines literature through the lens of the classical virtues like mm. courage, 
patience, humility, kindness, faith, hope, and love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is an age, I think, where we have forgotten what the virtues are. And, and, and the virtues are really just they're the, the, the medium between two extremes. And our, our culture is so polarized that everyone feels like they have to go to one extreme or another, or one party or the other, or yeah. one side or the other. But for the Christian, virtue is, you know, is the tension between truth and love between justice and mercy, and those sorts of things. So I examine these principles through some of my favorite works of literature um, and also encourage people just to, to read better, um, because I think we're all living in a culture of, like, the hot take and, and the, the tweets and, the, and the, yeah. you know, just the, the quick reads. Um, but we can slow down and just absorb and think and read and reflect, and I think that will make us all better people. And maybe we won't have so many Me Too moments. Yeah, I love it. My sister has her master's in creative writing, and so I know she's going to pick up this book and devour it. Uh, she she oh, absolutely loves She's a high school uh, English teacher, and she, she tells me all the time, have you read this book? You need to go read it right now. <laughs> um, but anyway, Karen, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for your advocacy and just for your heart and for... Um, just just sharing and being really authentic with our, our listeners. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And I, I, I appreciate so much what you're doing and pray God's blessings on it. Thank you so much. Um, and go pick up this book on Reading Well. Pre-order now. It comes out September. And I will see all of you guys back here, you know, tomorrow, 3.30 on The Autumn Mile Show. Thanks so much for listening today. The Autumn Miles program is listener supported and your donation to keep it on the air is appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And with a $100 donation or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of Autumn's book, Appointed, Your Future Starts Now. Join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on The Word, 100.7 FM.